0: Hello, Um, you are locked into Bloomsbury Radio where we are celebrating Bloomsbury Festival 2022. I am Michelle and joined in the studio by two very special guests. They are two of the people that are responsible for Garden Unlocked, which is a dance piece that takes place outdoors in Mecklenburg square garden between the 19th and the 21st of october um owen ho is a composer and conductor of the music that we will hear throughout the piece he is a prize winner of many composition competitions and has his and has had his music published um, by the likes of the ucla music library and the good music publishing The Good Music Publishing and Good Music Publishing, Um, Yanael Therin is a freelance choreographer, performer, teaching artist, and co-director of the company Concentric. (laughs) She um, recently won the Valerie Brigginshaw Prize for Dance and Writing and Academic Excellence back in 2020 the Gladys Puttick Improvisation Award in 2017, and during her time at the London Contemporary Dance School, won the School Principals Award. I would like to thank you both for joining me today um, and ask you how you are. (laughs)
1: Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks.
2: Yeah, thanks for inviting us, Michelle. Yeah, good day, good day, yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you both for for coming in. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... I feel like it's a silly question to kind of start with, Um, but I assume that the both of you are into music or at least enjoy music and um, so i would like to ask you who are some of the artists musicians or composers that inspire your everyday life
2: after you you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes yeah, so for me as a dance artist and as a dance teacher it's so important to keep getting inspired by musicians and music but in very different styles uh, when you think that i teach dance to children in primary schools as well as performing and making choreographic works uh, professionally I need to have a nice and wide range of people and styles in my playlist. (laughs) So um, yeah, people like Owen, obviously, uh, my friend Michaela Livadotis, who's a pianist as well, um, Ray Bryan, a clarinetist. These are all musicians that I've been working with for a couple of years now and their work really inspires me. But then as well as their work, there's also you know popular music that the children that I teach will be listening to. And I think it's really great to embrace that as well. So if you look at my playlist, it's, it's a really weird mixture of styles.
2: Yeah, as for me, I would say um, I'm mostly inspired, it's a weird word, by uh, composers from the Romantic era, but also composers who are more recent, who still show kind of a Romantic tendency. And in fact, this, is, uh, this has been my interest so far, whether academically or artistically. Um, and in fact, in terms of dance, um, I'm quite inspired... Well, before but before meeting Yanel, I'm quite um, uh, a regular goer to uh, ballet performances. For example, pieces by Tchaikovsky's and and his I don't know, Nutcracker it's one like you know. But um, it's not until I meet Yannel back in 2020 when we first collaborated uh, on a piece called Romantic Remnants, coincidentally, um, <laughs> um, that I'm. I started to appreciate modern and contemporary dance more, and quite I I find it's um its fluidity and flexibility quite interesting when it comes to like working with this kind of dance, and uh, and I'm speaking from a contemporary classical composer's point of view, where I mean music is no longer very rigid nowadays; it's all very mixed and 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 fluid and and free in in a way so i think there's a lot to learn from the contemporary dance practice as well
0: nice i love that you both had like very different inspirations i know that you said it was a weird word to use um but i feel like it's an important one because we're inspired by things every day right um and i feel like we shouldn't be ashamed or like back away from that if that makes sense. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> um so you mentioned just then that you both met in 2020. Um was that to do with the ensemble matters? Um and if it was, what capacity is it that you guys are involved in ensemble matters?
2: Yes, it was. Um in fact, that was a that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> uh it's just because uh, I had a piece, I mean Romantic Remnants, written just before the first, the very first lockdown uh, and back then I was a student at the Royal College of Music and they had this cross-disciplinary cross, co- cross disciplinary collaboration where we write works and work with other practice, uh, people from other practice and I happened to chose dance and then just before the premiere the whole lockdown thing happened and it just got cancelled indefinitely and it's, I'm, I was very fortunate to have Bloomsday Festival who later uh was happy to accommodate uh, this work and eventually six months later in this voluntary festival they they did a, like a live stream without audience it's just pre-recorded uh, pre-recorded uh, performance and that was how i uh met Yanel back then she was like stepping in because the original choreograph- choreographer wasn't free anymore so that's um that's quite a story, but is a is a very good um, opportunity for both of us. I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, 2020. What what a year, right? <laughs> what was, a yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's insane. I feel like we're fortunate that Bloomsbury Festival tends to happen towards the end of the year, um, because by that point in 2020, everything started opening up again, right? Um, and although it was done online, and you didn't have a live audience, you were still able to participate and take part and create and put something out there you know.
1: (laughs) Yes that was really special actually because even though it was not a a large um, cast piece there were still you know five musicians, Owen conducting, myself and another dancer and we had to be quite careful with wearing our face coverings and spreading out across the space and then with all of the tech team around us um, recording the performance it felt quite special to be able to put that together and, and perform it even though it wasn't for a live audience. Um, But that's why that's our history with Bloomsbury Festival so far. And we're so excited this year to finally be able to see an audience in the flesh and to perform for them um, next month. That would be really exciting.
0: I love that. Um, So on the website, it mentions that the music is going to be in direct relation to the actual dance piece itself. Um, And speaking of pre-recordings, I wanted to ask you guys whether the music would be live or whether it would be pre-recorded.
2: That's a very nice uh, question, in fact, because back in 2020, when we first collaborated, in at, well, basically, put differently, the music has already been written. So you can say we can just pre-record the music and then play back when they perform, even though we didn't, we, we perform it live anyway. But that's also one of the reasons why this time we decided to approach uh, this collaboration slightly differently, and have the music in a way be performed live on the one hand, but also be, be directly or indirectly influenced by the dance. So um, that was how it, it, it all started. And as it progresses, as we, as we develop and create uh, the work, um, we, I sort of um, base some elements in the music uh, on the dance. So for example, during the dance, let's say the dancers, they raise their hand or, uh, or let's say when they first look at some other dancers, um, then the music will be triggered. I mean, some elements of the music will be triggered and they will play, the musicians will play it live in response to what the dancers are doing. And so these form some elements of the, uh, of the music for this piece. So it's going to be interesting.
1: It's worth saying as well that, Owen, you won't be there conducting the musicians. So myself and the other two dancers are kind of conductors as well because our movements are literally the signals that the musicians follow to play the next part on their score. So obviously on this radio format, we can't show you the scores, but it's really worth looking at them because you literally see the dancers' silhouettes on the score showing a particular position. And that's what the musicians will be looking at and looking out for or when we're dancing to know when to move on to the next um, section in the piece
0: that's really interesting and I feel like it's almost the reverse because um when you study dance you're always told to listen to the music right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and in this respect it's the musicians that have been told to kind of look at the dances yes <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so you guys are the the catalyst of the piece almost you know you're like the heart of it um because what you do then um, influences what what we what we're hearing, what's being played. Yeah, yes. in
2: a way, it was um, actually inspired by my very first um, attendance to Janelle's, uh What was it like? Improvisation with other dancers in the just the neighboring Macklenburg Square, and they were just improvising without the music, without any music. And I just felt very. I was I was there just watching them improvise and. And I haven't really like observed or appreciate dance improvisation without music mm. and I just felt like there's a very intimate and special connections between dancers where they don't really need the music at all so I was <laughs> that was one of another reasons why I just thought maybe I shouldn't demand the dancers to listen to the music but have the music follow them so that was another backstory
0: i love that we love a backstory here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna say something and i oh i remember oh, when you were saying <laughs> no it's fine um, when you were talking about watching them dance with no music um i don't know if you guys are fans of love island but it is a guilty pleasure of mine and um i learned recently that when they do their like dance challenges and stuff they're doing it in complete silence Oh, really? Yeah. So they add the music post-production. So the music that we hear, they don't hear anything. They just hear each other, like, cheering them on and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's well awkward. Like, how, how, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I guess it's a very similar thing for just dancing with no music. Like, if you were in the street or in a space people just think you're nuts right but I don't know whether it's like you're following some kind of music in your head or if you're just counting or like what influences the movement because you're not listening to anything
1: yes if anything it's mostly about listening to the other dancers and sort of visually as well getting a feel for the rhythm or the groove that they are in and then matching that or responding to that or adding a contrast to that so Obviously, sometimes their footsteps will make actual sounds, especially in this piece will be in a courtyard. So our feet will be um, on stones that will make some sounds. But there's also, you know, the groove that a dancer can have in their body, even if they're not making sound that gives you some sort of a rhythm that you can follow.
0: That's really interesting. So like when you're, I guess, moving in that way, um, is a lot of it contact improvisation or is it just a case of you looking and then responding to that? There's a little bit of both, actually. Okay. <laughs> so um, the piece is called Garden Unlocked and yep. a part of that
1: process is to also unlock our bodies. So there's a part of the piece, an entire section where myself and the other two dancers have our arms interlocked. And it feels like we are never going to get out of that lock. We are trying our best. We are moving, twisting ourselves in different directions. And there seems to be no way out until eventually, hopefully with some help from the audience as well, we find a way out and we manage to free ourselves and unlock um, these arms. But yeah, there is quite a lot of contact in there. And again, as a choreographer, that's something that I had been longing to come back to after... Years of teaching dance on Zoom and not being in a shared space course, with people, yeah. so this is very special for us as well <clears throat> that we're able to to come back to physical contact in this
0: piece. I yeah. love that. Nice. <laughs> um, so when I think of like contemporary dance, I always think of like quite open body language. Your arms are out, like stretched out. I'm I'm literally stretching my arms yes. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and obviously, this piece is based on like the air and like pollution and like solving problems in some respect. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something else that we're going to see? I mean, I know you've spoken about the interlocking, um, but I assume that all of it is not going to be interlocked, if that makes sense. Exactly right, <laughs> yes.
1: So, after the interlocking section, which is essentially the first movement of mm-hmm. the piece, we move on to a freer section called Open Space, where the dance literally takes up the whole of the performance venue. There's a lot more distance and a lot more air.
2: If it doesn't Um, rain. If it doesn't rain. Thanks, Owen. This is all weather
1: dependent. (laughs) So if we're lucky with the weather, this is where we really connect with the air, the space around us, and hopefully the sky. Now, if it's pouring with rain, we have a plan B where we stay um, under the roof in the portico space. So this is still half outside um, but it won't give the same full feeling of, you know, being in a garden.
0: Um, what is it that made you guys decide to pick that specific venue or destination for your piece?
2: Well, we have some challenges <laughs> when we were um, working out which venue that we have, that we will use. Originally, our plan was indeed to use the Mecklenburg Square Garden, just opposite to Kondinaw College, uh, because that was exactly the place which inspired our collaboration um but then there was some difficulty when dealing with the um with the garden committee and it's just uh difficult to put on any any um dance show in the garden because after all it's a private garden okay um, so eventually we have uh, considered other options for example uh the garden square next to us and But eventually, we we, uh, finalized um, on the Goodenough College, which is uh, also the place that I have lived for four years. I've moved out recently, but it's still a very friendly place to me. And it just seemed to be a suitable place as well, because there's a courtyard in the middle, uh, a piece of uh, very nicely taken care of grass, uh, like a grassland and then a mulberry tree and then also a sheltered corridor just next to this uh, courtyard which is perfect for rainy days which is also not possible in just say uh, let's say just a Mecklenburg Square Garden which is entirely outdoor and we, mm-hmm. we have nowhere to hide if it rains and it just have to be cancelled the event okay. so <laughs> in in a way Good is the best place for, for this particular performance because we, we just have to put it on whether it's raining or, or, or shining. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's the story about the venue, which is also one of the major challenges that we face.
0: I mean, we face challenges everywhere and it's yeah. just something else that you have to overcome, right? We do. <laughs> we
1: do. And I feel like with this piece in particular, um, we are very keen to work in spaces that are not normally accessible to the public. So in this case, obviously, Good Enough College is where residents and students live. But mm. if you don't live there, if you're not a student you normally don't have access to that courtyard at all. So the performance is your chance to come in and have a peek into a space that normally you wouldn't be allowed into.
2: Secret society. Exactly.
0: (laughs) That's really amazing, actually, because when I think of, um, I guess, more classical music and then contemporary dance whether that's in the ballet sector contemporary modern etc these are things that are quite elitist um mm-hmm. and the fact that you guys are bringing the two things together i mean they're kind of together in the real world anyway um but then making it so that people that maybe wouldn't have access to this venue be able to come in it just unlocks another level <laughs> it's like dropping another um door of the elitist arts and practices if that makes sense
2: yeah I think speaking of elitism this work is particularly egalitarian on the other side in (laughs) in two ways, the first is apparently we're unlocking this uh, semi-private space Yeah. but also is to do with the nature of the performance being a very non-conventional performance in terms Mm -hmm. of a setting like you don't really sit down and just look at the dance or listen to the music like what you would normally do in a in a concert hall or a theater but this one really does require audience to move around and keep yourself mobile as as it happens so in a way this is another um another way that we we defy (laughs) elitism in a way so yeah
0: that's great and that like even that in itself will bring a different type of audience like someone who exactly. may not just want to sit in a yeah. theater and, and watch. It's more
2: engaging yeah, because you 100%. have to stand up and
0: move. <laughs> so how is it that you guys are going to be inviting the audience to participate in the performance? So when the audience comes in, they're welcome to stand in the courtyard, in
1: the garden, um, and then as the performance unfolds, we'll be guiding them around and they can follow us around the courtyard as well. So obviously people might want to step back a little bit, keep a distance if they prefer to do that. There are benches as well where they're welcome to sit. But if they want to come up close and really be right next to the musicians or very close to the dancers, that's also an option, that is their choice. So you can really think of it as if you go off to a park and you have a wander around and then maybe you sit down for a while and then you stand up and walk again that would be your experience of the piece as well so you would really be free to walk around get close to people get a bit further away if you'd rather and um, sit stand follow along so all of all of these are options
0: that sounds really cool <laughs> nice um, and how many dancers and musicians are actually taking part in the piece This
1: time we've got three dancers and three musicians, and this is the very first time that the full cast is um, coming together, which is very exciting. Um, Previously, we've performed the work, the work in progress, actually, it wasn't Fully um, fledged yet, but we had one performance with the three dancers and only two musicians, and then we did a very small cast performance with just one musician and two dancers. (laughs) But so this time we're very excited to have six performers, so the full cast together.
0: Ah.
2: Yeah, in a way, this work is is pretty flexible because even if there's just one dancer and one musician, it's still workable because it's an open score both dance-wise and music-wise so Mm. i'm keen to see how 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 well it can stand the time and just i don't know reincarnate itself in different versions Mm -hmm. even even let's say 15 musicians and one dancer or the other way around so it's going to be a very flexible score that keeps growing and developing
0: i love that um, so I guess taking it back a little bit, how is it that you both got into your respective practices?
2: Um, well, I started as a piano player uh, since the age of six. I mean, just probably my parents forcing me to learn an instrument <laughs> and, you know, just typical uh, <laughs> kid. And and um, just gradually, at some point, I feel like, my piano playing isn't going any further, so I sort of switched to writing music and just gradually also pick up uh, conducting on the side. So that's in a nutshell how I got into music. Uh, there's not really any dramatic one-time event which inspired me to just <laughs> become very in de- uh, become very determined to to con- to take on a musical path. Not really. It's more like a gradual process for me, but it's just the way it is. What about you now?
1: Yeah, so for me, I remember as a child when I was maybe like four years old, just walking past some studios and seeing people dancing. And I just wanted to do that. I wanted to be with them. So I asked my mum several times if I could go (laughs) to dance class and at first she was like oh she just wants to do it now but is she actually going to commit you know so I asked several times and then eventually when I started primary school when I started year one I was allowed to go to a creative dance class once a week and I loved it so that's when I started and then I kept going with ballet with contemporary and jazz dance um, until I decided that I really wanted to do that as potentially a career as well um, and then I moved to London uh, 10 years ago to train at London Contemporary Dance School which is here in Bloomsbury um, and that's where the journey started as as a professional journey but if I bring it right back down to the root, it's five-year-old me just being like I want to dance. <laughs> yeah, I guess
2: most parents are kind of skeptical about the arts isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Until we really are determined on a artistic path. So,
0: It's really funny because it's like, yeah, like you said, a lot of parents are sceptical about the arts. Um, I feel like you almost have to prove your worth to them. Like you have to make it or have this massive breakthrough for them to kind of take that route seriously. Mm. Um, okay, so bringing it back to the piece, <laughs> um, it's about stopping and rethinking about your relationship with the air and the space around you. How is it that you two come to do that in your own lives? I think for me, that's a practice that has
1: mainly grown since 2020, since the lockdowns. Um, and as I said earlier, I had been you know, busy teaching dance on Zoom and training with other teachers on Zoom as well. And that made me think that actually I also wanted to be outside in the real world. Mm. And so around that time, I started to make dance films in outdoor spaces. And that felt really exciting and really freeing because I could literally breathe fresh air around me, be in tune with different landscapes, with the sunshine on my skin. Like, it's just a really pleasant thing to do, to dance outside. Um, so that's something I've been cultivating and developing for the last two years. It's really how can my dance practice fit in different outdoor settings, um, whether that's in cities or By the sea. Um, I live in Eastbourne, so I'm very lucky to have gorgeous beaches and landscapes to play with and to dance in. And this is just a development of that ongoing research, really. So not only making films and sharing those with audiences, but also having live performances that happen outside and that people can attend kind of like they would if they were going for a walk you know just walking through a park and they happen to have a performance in that park and they can enjoy it there and then so it really is that sense of enabling people to go out enjoy yeah fresh air some sunshine hopefully Um, (laughs) and then as well as that experience some live music and a dance performance but it's mainly about them being outside and breathing and enjoying themselves
2: yeah, as for me, I would say my 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 connection to the air and space surrounding myself is more a psychological thing. I mean, as I as long as I reply all of my emails <laughs> and stuff, you know, <laughs> I feel like very connected to my to my uh, environment and 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 connected to nature in a way. Because once your mind is quiet, I feel very very much like inspired by the environment and in a way when i compose i really require or or demand that myself to be absolutely clear of whatever emails that i have still (laughs) on my laptop so and so that i can really settle down and and have a very clear mind to think creatively so that's just my way of connecting to to the space and nature really Um, if not a slightly weird way
0: <laughs> i don't think that's weird at all i mean everyone has their own way of connecting to their surroundings right um obviously yanayel's was very physical mm. um whereas Owen's <laughs> it's kind of more um mental you know in that mm. respect i get it because i am an avid avoider of emails <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you know just top procrastination um but it happens and like when you do clear the emails you feel a weight has been lifted you know they're all gone and then people start replying and then you have to reply and then the cycle starts all over again um but you work best when you are not having to think about everything else that you need to do you know like when you when there's nothing else on the table like this is the only thing that you have to focus on i feel like is when we produce our best work which is why I am such a supporter of like people taking rest Mm -hmm. um in this in like I don't know why but in this generation everyone's like about the the hustle and bustle you know like the hashtag no sleep and all that kind of stuff and I'm like I'm not a supporter of this you know Mm -hmm. what I mean rest is very very important it's how we become our most productive selves as well
1: absolutely yeah
0: nice um okay so moving on to the final question for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i'm taking a, a literal quote like a direct quote from the website um in a world where pollution and respiratory problems are a pressing concern what can we do Slice I out? <laughs> yeah. I'll go for it. Well, I think,
1: again, as I've just uh, mentioned with taking a walk, um, just going to your local park or going into a garden, if you've got that opportunity, this is one really big step. Um, it can really make you feel refreshed. And of course, we don't have the luxury of living in spaces where the air is actually clean at all times of the year. But I feel like there is something though about just giving yourself that time to reconnect with an outdoor space near you and going for a walk, whether you 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 want to really go for a jog and do your workout outside or whether it's just a leisurely walk. I think it doesn't really matter. It is just making that space for yourself.
2: Yeah, I think pollution is pollution in every sense of the word, whether it's actual environmental pollution or psychological pollution, for example, emails. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just think, um, yeah, I I I 100% agree with Yanel's idea of having to reconnect every now and then to our environment. And in a way, what we can do really is to just get ourselves out there, uh, be in the nature, and just appreciate how beautiful it is for example I don't know going to peak district or sailing in a Solent you know which is things I have done in the past (laughs) and um, yeah I I think just uh, just be in touch with nature regularly and and you you change how you think and how you act in uh, like subsequently and and hopefully that will regulate or or remind us of the uh, of the benefits or, or the positive things about nature that it can bring to us so yeah just be really appreciative of what we already have in our planets
0: nice so what i'm hearing i guess from the both of you is about kind of pausing mm. um and just taking time to take in what's around you and enjoy being in nature if that's correct exactly
1: absolutely
0: yeah Nice. Um, okay, so where is it that people can come and watch the pe- um, the show, the piece? Um, what days are what days is it on, and how can people book? So, practical details. Mm -hmm. Um, The performance is on three consecutive days, so
1: you can catch us on Wednesday 19th, Thursday 20th, and Friday 21st of October. And we will be performing at 1 p.m. each day, so 1 to about 1.20. And then for those who are interested, there's also going to be a post-show conversation on the Friday, so Friday 21st, um, just after the performance, around 1.30, to find out more about the, the process that we went through. The all information is on the Bloomsbury Festival website, and they also have an Eventbrite page where people can book and we've kept tickets to an affordable price of five pounds so if you can make it, it would be really, really lovely to see you there
2: also I think there's an audience limit because of a, of the size of a space is not a very big space, so I think they are limited uh limiting the audience number to thirty thirty people so if you if you want to uh, see us then you should act quick
1: <laughs> that's right yes we have had to cap the the number of audience members that's also to make sure that people have a good experience of the show and can actually see and hear what's going on Um because if we had more than 30 people around I think you just wouldn't see and hear things as well so if you do want to come that's the one thing make sure that you book because it's very limited it is
0: Amazing. Um, And I assume that everyone can find the tickets on the Bloomsbury Festival website.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just type Garden Unlocked in their search box and I'm sure it will pop up.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you both for joining me today.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you, Michelle. No worries.